Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Living as children of light. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way, this is former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once, dark, for you were once darkness, but now you are light and in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light, the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus, and he's been giving them some doctrine, and now he's basically given them some practicality. Paul is so practical here because what he's talking about, he's telling them how to walk. And when you look at how we walk, I mean, I, I walk, I'm walking now. That means I'm taking a step. Get what that word walk means. It means to take a step. It, it means to move. So when you're walking, you're moving. It, it, you, you're advancing. You, you're going forward. But then that word walk also means something else. Not only does it mean forward as to taking a step, but it also applies to, I'm going to use a couple words here that you might be familiar with, deportment or comportment which basically means conduct or behavior. Paul is letting us know this is how, as a, a believer, that we should walk. We, our behavior should change. It should be different once we become believers. That's what he's talking to the church at Ephesus about. So this morning, what the topic is, it's the walk of the believer. And if, it, if I had a subtitle, it would be living the new life. Because that's what it is. It's a new life that one is able to live. When, when Paul gives this introduction, and last, the last time, I think, Charles, he preached on the beginning of chapter 4. And in chapter 4, there's two basic things that Paul lays out and when, he, when he gives us how to walk. The first two things was this. He tells us that we are to walk as believers worthy of our calling, that we've been called to walk a certain way. I always get Scott to fix this because I always mess it up. I guess it's okay. Um, he calls us to walk a certain way, and then, he, then what does he do? He tells us that we should walk in our gifts. Well, to the church at Ephesus, they should walk in their gifts. And then he begins to lay out some other ways to walk, but before he does that, he, he talks in verse 17 to 19, he says, this is how the Gentiles came out of. The Gentiles and the Jews are no longer technically, what Paul is saying, Gentiles and Jews. He's saying it's a new race. There's a third race now. And the name of this third race are believers. They are Christ followers. And so this is what he begins to share with the church at Ephesus. And he says, okay, guys, this is what the Gentiles used to do. They were ungodly men. They were people who believe. And they had five traits that, that God was displeased with in terms of those who weren't saved. The five traits that he lays out, and you can see it very clearly. It's in your reading. I'm not going to go over it because I need time. And so what we see, those five traits, the first one being 
unbelievers, how do they walk? They walk in the vanity of their mind. The word vanity there, it, it means emptiness. They, they walk empty. They walk senseless. It's aimless. There's, it, they're unsuccessful. There's, they're, they're worthless in their minds. Why? Because their minds are absent of God. And he's saying that their minds are now empty because of the absence of God. What do they do? They push God out, and they have other gods that take the place of God. And those other gods are worldly pleasures and possessions and worldly power and worldly position and worldly religions and worldly ideas and worldly honor and worldly gods. So they replace the real God with all these other gods. And he says the mind of a man walks like that. They neglect the real God. They reject the real God. So their minds are empty. And so they walk with emptiness. And then what does he say? Verse, he says again, unbelievers walk another way, understanding with their understanding darkened. That's what he says in verse 18, that their minds, their, their walk now, their understanding, they are blinded and unable to know and to really be able to understand those things about God. They're unable to see God, so they're in darkness. And then he says, how else do they walk? They, they walk alienated from the life of God. We know what that word alienation means. That, that word alienate means to be separated or estranged or, or to be cut off or detached. And so what Paul is saying there is that they, they walk detached from God. They're alienated. They don't have the life of God. So in essence, that they're dead. They're ignorant in their minds of God. They have hardened their hearts. And that's what Paul says. And so it's because of their hardened hearts that they suffer from these other conditions. That's why they're darkened from their understanding. That's why they're unable to, to see God. Why? Because they have hardened hearts. But there's something else about these unbelievers, these Gentiles. They are past feeling. What do I mean by that? See, they reach a point where they no longer are able to feel God. They're, they're unable. They have no standard of morality. That's what he's saying there. They are beyond their calloused, and, and, and they become hardened. And, and so without God, they live and dwell in sin because they don't care. They don't care what God says. They don't want to know what God says. They don't care about unrighteousness. They're past feeling. They're, they're, they have lost all sensitivity to God. But then, look at what Paul says in, in verse 19, he goes on and says, unbelievers give themselves over to sensuality. Uh, I, I like the word lasciviousness. That's what you find in the King James Version. It sounds like a cool word. That's why I like it. You know, lasciviousness. But this is a serious word because this is what Paul is saying. The unbeliever now, their lives are full of <laughs> filthiness indecency, shamelessness, the characteristics of their behavior 
is, is lustful desires, unstrained evil thoughts and behavior. Listen, listen to that. Un, 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 unrestrained evil thoughts, unrestrained behavior, lust, lustful desires, the, the readiness for pleasure. That's what he means. They don't care about shame because they have no shame. But Paul says something else here before he moves on to talk about the new man. And so the last thing he says about the unbeliever is that they indulge in all uncleanness with greediness. Uncleanness, it, it means dirty, it means filthy. It, it carries the connotation that the infestation of everything that's unclean and immoral, polluted behavior. It is most immoral behavior unmanageable. Anything goes. Isn't that what we see in our society today? Everything goes. It doesn't matter what it is. But see what's happening back in Paul's day, too. That's why he's writing about it. And he's talking to the Gentiles what they came out of. This is how they used to live. They used to live in filthiness. They, their lives were anti-God. Their, their lives were without God. So it didn't matter what they did. They also had, they were part of Gnosticism. You probably heard me say that before, but they, they weren't concerned about what they did with their body because they separated the body and the spirit, and those were people who thought they knew God. And so when we see this, Paul now moves into verse 4, chapter 4, verse 20 to 24, and he says, listen, in contrast, this is how the believer's supposed to walk. This is the antithesis of the way that the unbeliever walks. And Paul begins to lay out the way that the, the new man's supposed to walk. Now, what we need to understand here is that when we look at the Gentiles, we need to understand that who he's talking about or who he's talking to is that he, please go around the back, please go around that way. Thank you. Please, when, when you look at what he's saying, he's saying to a group of people that's involved with premarital sex, he's talking to people that their lives are full of homosexuality, he's talking to people who are having sexual relationship with animals, he's talking to all those who are impure. The Gentiles' lifestyles, that's what they were like. And so they were full of idolatry. And they, and they followed gods who, who their worship was all this sexual stuff going up part, because part of their worship involved sexuality with their gods. He's talking to the, all these people who are filled with idolatry. And so... What Paul has to do is Paul is confronting the, those who have become believers and letting them know, listen, guys, your life has now become different because you're a different person. You are no longer, you should no longer walk like you used to as the Gentiles because you are a new creation in Christ. And so when we look at what he does in verse 20 to 24, 
he now says the believer is to walk in Christ because when they met Christ, Christ did not give them sinful behavior. Christ was pure. Christ was without sin. So when they met Christ, they met a person who had no sin. And so they didn't get any kind of sinful lifestyle from knowing Christ. That's what he's saying there, that Christ brings truth. And because they heard Christ and they were taught Christ, that the truth was able to change their life. Now, now Paul says something interesting here because Christ isn't present physically when the Ephesian church is born. So obviously, he's saying we learn Christ from those who were preaching. We learn Christ from those who were saved. We learn Christ from those who discipled us. And so in actuality, right in this moment, even though I'm preaching to you, you should be listening for Christ out of my voice, not me, because Christ speaks through the man or the woman of God. That's what he's saying there. So, so he's saying here is that, listen, when you heard the truth, you heard Christ because Christ was coming, speaking through that particular individual or those individuals. You, you heard the truth, and the truth is what changed you. And so there's two things that he begins to lay out now. He says a believer has put off or now needs to put off Guess what? All those things that are corrupted in their deceitful desires because their desires are self-seeking. Their desires are, are of self. It's self-centered lust and, and deceit that promises joy and fulfillment but doesn't deliver. That's what he's saying. Now, he, he says, Christ... He gives you a new attitude. Christ gives you a new mind. Christ is able to renew the mind. And what's interesting here is that Paul is actually talking out of what was already part of the day. And so you had what was known as the, the Jewish wisdom, um, the Jewish wisdom teachers, or those writers who, who were Jew, had a Jewish background, and they were wisdom writers, and then you also had the Greek philosophers. And, and guess what they abided by? They abided by the principle of, re, of a renewed mind. And that a person with a renewed mind, when they have a renewed mind, it changes their attitude, which then affects their values and their lifestyle. And so Paul is writing from that premise, except for Paul has something different to add. He's saying it doesn't come from yourself. It comes from Christ, the presence of God being in your life. So then Paul moves on, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 25 to 32, and he says, okay, this is what you need to do as believers. All right, you, there's, there's putting off the garments of the old man, right? You have to put off something, and, and he begins to lay this out. So the believer is to walk putting off the garments of the old man. And what are they? It's, it's like I had to get dressed in the morning. I got dressed this morning. Now, 
If I would have came in here with bell bottoms on, platform shoes, a psychedelic shirt, and I would put an afro on, you would look at me and say, this guy is crazy. What is wrong with him? He's dressed in like it's the 70s. Right? You would look at me and like, this guy, something's wrong with him. Notice I had to put that on. And so what Paul is saying here is that if I'm a new creation in Christ, why am I still clothing myself with those things that come out of darkness? That when I get up, I need to be putting on Christ. The clothes that Christ have look different than those in darkness. But yet when we look at our society, what do we see? We see a lot of people still dressing up as if Christ isn't present. And so they look like they're in darkness. Why? Because that's how they dress. And yet, it was so easy to picture what the 70s looked like, right? And those of, those, those of you who, who know about Soul Train, you remember all the, all the clothes that they used to wear. You know, now, if we would see that now, it's like, whoa, what's wrong with them? Because we don't dress like that now. So there has to be a change of attire. And so Paul is saying, this is how a believer is to walk. The new person is to walk like this. That we can't, we have to stop dressing improperly. And so he begins to talk about the practice of the believer. And when we look at the practice, that means the, the, the living out of, of ourselves living out of Christ in our lives. And, and he lists five things. He says the first thing, he says you need to put falsehood. You need to stop lying. That's the first thing he talks about. You need, because now with Jesus, you experience truth. So you need to exhibit truth now. And that truth is reality. So instead of living with lies, we need to start living in truth. And then what does he say? He says the next thing is, is that, what about anger? <laughs> and and I, I can't stay here too long. I would love to, but people don't understand anger. And what I need to say here is that when we look at the word, the Greek word that Paul uses here in verse 26, it's thermos. And, and thermos is emotion. When we look at anger, anger consists of three elements, three components. And because they're so intertwined together, we don't understand it, and we call it anger, but anger actually can be broken up into three separate parts. The first one being emotion. The second one being cognitive. And the third one being behavior. So when we look at the word that Paul uses here, He's talking about the emotion of anger, which God has an emotion of anger. Having the emotion of anger is not sin. Why? Because it's in a biological, it's a biological stage that puts us in readiness. That's what the emotion of anger does. So the problem is, is when he gets down to thir verse 31 and 32, he now gets into the expression of anger, which is the behavior. So we need to understand, he uses the Greek term orge, 
So that's the behavior part of anger. So you have anger, which is the, the emotion, and then you have expression of anger later on that he talks about down further. He talks about the expression of anger when he gets to the six vices. And so he says Christians are not to steal. We're not supposed to be stealing. Obviously, people were stealing back then. That, that we're supposed to work for our money. Some people probably steal time at their job, but they don't think about it because they don't call it that, right? Uh-oh, I'm meddling now. <laughs> it all depends on what kind of job you have. It really does. Because in management, the way, what, man, what you have to do in management is different what, have, what workers have to do. So the time doesn't even look the same. Because I'm driving around in my truck, he ain't doing nothing but driving around, but I'm doing my job. <laughs> so it all depends on what the job is. So the reality, he's saying don't steal and to work for our money. But notice what Paul says. We work for our money so that we can have it, not just to take care of ourselves, but to take care of others. So what are we hoarding? And I'm not telling you not to save because you have to save. You have to save for retirement. You need to save money for emergencies. You have to save, but you shouldn't have to put all your money in saving that you're not sharing your money with those in need. And that's what Paul alludes to about stealing. And then he talks about wholesome talk. How do we talk to each other? Uh, Paul, Paul says that our talk's supposed to be beneficial. It's supposed to be encouraging. So, so how do we talk to one another? How does wives talk to, talk to husbands? How do teachers talk to the kids? You have to look at how believers are talking to one another. And Paul gets into that. He says it should be, whole, it should be helpful, what we say. But, but Paul gets into something here. He talks about, listen, be careful because we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. So the Holy Spirit has feelings. We don't really think about that, do we? So our behavior is connected to how God feels. So when we say that, you know what? We talk about a loving God, but we never talk about that God gets angry because of sin. When we look in the Old Testament, we notice in Kings that God got angry at Solomon. Why? Because his heart was turned toward idols because of all the foreign women that he married. And God did something about it. And it literally says that God got angry. Why? Because God is holy. God is pure. So now Solomon is actually being disobedient to God, and he suffers consequences, and his family did too, because God, what did God do? He, he divided the kingdom because of it. And he also raised up some enemies. So when you say God is love, that doesn't mean God does not get angry. Matter of fact, he gets angry because he loves us. Because he gets angry because of the things that we do, and he wants our stuff to be corrected. That's why he has the gifts in the body. I don't have time to teach all that. All right, so, so now down in verse 32, what does he say? 
we need to rid ourselves. Now we're talking about the anger that's expressed. Rid ourselves of bitterness, of rage. Rid ourselves of brawling, which gets shouting and clamor, of slander. We don't talk about slander that much, do we? Mm-mm. No. So when I tell somebody or I talk about somebody behind their back because I'm afraid of confronting them, why am I saying it and what's the purpose? Because the Bible lets us know in Matthew 18 that if you have an ought against your brother, you need to go to them. How are they going to know that they offended you if you don't say nothing? But you rather go behind their back and, and tell everybody else that's slander. And a lot of church people do that. And they, 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 got, they put on there, oh, can you pray for this person? Have we gone to them first? Because that's what the Bible says to practice. See, we have to look at the context. He's saying we need to practice these things. He's saying we need to take off these six things. We have to take it off. We, we, we talked about getting, putting on new clothes. Y'all like to go buy some new clothes? I like buying new clothes. I bought me some shorts this, a couple weeks ago. It's nice having new stuff. But the problem with me is I still got some of the old stuff in my closet that I can't even wear, and I won't throw them away or give them away. I try to hang on to that old stuff. And see, that's what we do, isn't it? It's not just with clothes, it's with our behaviors. Because we try to hang on to stuff. And Paul is saying here, listen, we need to let some stuff go. And then notice what he says. He says, put on what Christ is of Christ. Be kind, be forgiving, be compassionate. It's the antithesis of what he just said. So we take off this stuff, and now we got to put on something else. Let me keep moving. Okay, now we're in chapter 5, and we see that he tells the believer, we're still in the believer's practice, all right? He is to, to believe, or the believer is to now walk following God. He already told us we need to put off some things. We have to take off some things. But now we got to put on God. And he begins to lay out some things about what it is to put on God. He says that the believer must follow God first, becoming a follower of God. So an unbeliever is not a follower of God. An unbeliever is still in darkness, even though they might be in a church building. A person that just reads the Bible, they're not going to get saved by just reading the Bible. They might be excellent at praying. But Paul says they have to be follower of God. And they have to be the follower of the living God, who is Yahweh, the God of Jesus. And see, we got to be careful how we interact with people because they're not serving the same God as we do. And so we can actually get, run into a problem if we don't understand ecumenicalism. I'm going to just leave it at that. I don't have time. But we don't serve the same God. Now, we can have a mutual respect, but we're not serving the same God. We need to understand that. 
So when we get together, and if we happen to have a unit, we can be, we can exhibit humanity. We can exhibit the fact that we all are creations in Christ and that we can be unified because of that, but we're not unified when it comes to the same Lord. We need to understand that. And so Paul says we are to follow God first, that to be imitators. The imitators means to be followers of God. What do you, you raise children, your parents, right? What do you want your kids to be? Imitators of you. That's what, you, that's what it means. You're, you're, they want to imitate you. So it doesn't matter what you say. If you're doing something opposite, they're going to pick up what you're doing as opposed to what you're saying. So if you're smoking cigarettes and you're telling them not to, guess what they're going to be doing even though they, they don't, you don't see them? They're going to be smoking cigarettes. If you're drinking a 40 in front of them all the time, <laughs> no, that's changed. Call, no, what is it now? Something else, whatever. Um, they used to drink 40s when I was growing up on the corner, but now they, it's the other stuff now. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking a wine cooler. That's okay. But anyway, the, the reality is, is that they're going to do what they see as opposed to what you say. So when you look at parenting, we got to make sure that we are modeling what we're saying. Or they're going to pick up what we do as opposed to what we say. And if we do, if we're doing that all along and now once they get teenagers and you're trying to, you're getting on their case about changing their behavior, it's too late at that point. They locked into a pattern. Matter of fact, locked into a pattern at six years old if you know about how, how the human mind works with kids. If you don't get them by six years of age, basically they're set. I don't have time. All right, let's move along. So, so we are to be imitators of, of God. And, and then what does he say? By loving as Christ loved. How did Christ love? He was sacrificial, wasn't he? See, but, but Paul talks about how Jesus became a substitute. It's, it's more than just God being an example of love. He's an example of love by substituting for us by taking our place. That's the first part. But then the second part is this. Christ became an offering. And when we look, into the, when we look in the Old Testament, especially in Ezekiel and in Leviticus, it talks about the burnt offering. And when we look at the purpose of the burnt offering, it was more than just an offering. It was an offering for sin but it was an offering to bring glory to God. So when we're looking at what it says about, about this smell, this sweet smelling savor going up to God, <laughs> it's the glory that Jesus Christ brought because of his obedience of going to the cross. Think about that. Jesus, because of his obedience, brought glory to the Father. And it was like a sweet, sweet smelling savor coming up to the Father, his offering, because it was about bringing glory, not just dying on the, sin, on the cross for our sins. It was also to bring glory to God. So how do we look at our behavior then? 
Do I ever look at the changing of my behavior that it's an offering to God? That I want to bring glory to God because I want to do the right thing because of his presence. It changes the purview of how we see things. And then what does he say? He says the believer follows God by, the, by being clean-bodied or morally pure. Uh-oh. Crawford, do you got to go there? I didn't go there. He, he, Paul went there in Ephesians. <laughs> I'm just merely taking out what Paul is saying. Remember what I said earlier about the immorality? There was all that immorality going on. There was immoral sex. There was premarital sex. There was improper, insolent speech. There was sexual humor. That's what the jesting and all that. There was pedophilia going on. There was all that going on with the Gentiles. And they were actually teaching their kids because they ushered them into manhood by all that sexual stuff. Need to understand the background with the Gentiles. That's what Paul's speaking into. And it fits our society today, doesn't it? Nothing's changed. That's what he's saying. All these self-centered vices, the conduct. What you see in Jesus Christ is that he had a clean body. Clean, no sin. That's what Paul's referring to. And that when we look at what, how, when we look at what we do with our bodies, we should be clean bodied because we should not be doing in our bodies what the Gentiles were doing. We should not be doing with our bodies as a believer now what we did when we were unbelievers, polluting our bodies with sin. That's what Paul's talking about, walking in a different direction, walking in a way that pleases God. And then what does he say? The believer follows God by being clean mouth, having a clean mouth. What does having a clean mouth? Some of y'all used to curse like a sailor. But then you got saved. And now you don't curse anymore. But guess what? I know some pastors that curse. I'm just being straight up. Those words fly out of my mouth like nothing, like water. And I'm like, you know what I got to say, though? I'm not being judgmental because I got my own issues. All right, so it's not about being judgmental, but it's a fact that are they dealing with that or are they just letting it go? See, it's a difference if you're struggling with something because you, you're asking God to help you to get rid of it or you don't care. And see, as a believer, we need to be concerned about that stuff because we know we got to still struggle with sin. Heck, man, I struggle with my eating all the time in a battle. But what I don't want to be is a glutton. Because if I be a glutton, now I'm sinning. So when I'm full, I need to stop. I don't just need to keep eating until my stomach hurts. See, that's the difference. So it's not about all the It's the fact that this is what God has called us into because we're new creations. And Paul is encouraging us that, that, listen, through the revelation that's being given to him, this is how our lives are supposed to be different now. We shouldn't be joking, dirt telling dirty jokes to one another. I mean, I'm, I love fun. If you hang with me, how crazy I am. 
Ask Bev. She lived with it for 31 years. So it's not about having fun, because we can have fun, but is it dirty in terms of what I'm saying? Because there should always be encouragement coming out of our mouths as believers. So he's, he's putting that out there. And then he says, listen, here's a, he gives a warning now. And he says, listen, there's, there's, we got to be careful. Because <laughs> in verses 5 and 6, he, he, he gives a warning about what's going on in, in terms of those in disobedience. He gives us God's view of sin and how all the stuff that they do in darkness If, if we know that the deeds of darkness is empty, are empty, why do we keep doing them? What does it actually bring into our lives that enhances? When we have the presence of God that, changed, that has changed our destiny and that we have access to the kingdom, that all the things that we now, in terms of moving forward, in terms of bringing glory to God, we can. And what we do for God will last. It's not just doing something to be doing it. Listen, I don't want to be up here just because I want to be up here. If it was, I'm going to be honest with you. If it, if it wasn't for God putting me up here, I wouldn't want to be up here. Let's be for real. Why? I'm only up here because God has given me a gift. And I want to use it. And sometimes I don't feel like it. <laughs> I might not look like that, but inside I don't express how I feel to y'all. She might know. <laughs> but we're not going to be happy to do everything that we're supposed to be doing. But it's sacrificial. That's the whole thing about us sometimes as believers because we make sacrifices. I sacrificed yesterday all day. But it's okay. I know that's going to happen. And we, gotta be, we have to be willing to change up things when, when the Holy Spirit changes it because it's not going to go our way all the time. I need to be free and open to move as the Spirit moves me. That's what walking with God is. And Paul is letting us know that. And then the last thing. Paul is letting us know that we need to walk as children of light. And, and he moves into that down in verse 8 to 14. And he talks about, listen, that when we look at light, light, not darkness, is the nature of the believer. See, we, we, light is in us. We are light. We become light. And so we need to recognize that. We, light bears all good things, the fruit of the Spirit. So goodness and righteousness and truth, that's light, and we bear that as believers. In, in verse 9, he says, light bears all good things, the fruit of the Spirit. But then in verse 10, light proves things. It shows what is acceptable. See, our lives should be showing what is acceptable to God. So if I'm living in darkness, being in light... Is my life really showing what's acceptable to God to people? I need to think about that. Is my behavior showing what light looks like to people? 
We are, we supposed to be showing what looks acceptable. Light exposes the work of darkness. So guess what? If we're around people that are in darkness and if we're around unbelievers that are in darkness, guess what? If my light's shining, they're going to be offended. Because light exposes. I shouldn't be getting mad because somebody's offended at me. You know how many people get mad at me? And let me tell you something. I'm, I'm a people person and I want to be light. But I had to learn. Everybody's not going to like me when you're living for Christ. Everybody's not going to receive what you have to say. But I understand my spiritual gifts. And when you have the gift of exhortation and you, you admonish, they don't want to hear that. You got to tell them what you're doing is wrong because you love them. And they cut you off. That's not easy stuff. But I had to deal with Jesus, you know they're going to want to kill us. <laughs> right? So that's what light does. Light exposes. And, and then he talks about light. Light, it, can, it reveals and converts everything it touches. So light is able to convert everything that it touches. My life, if I, if I touch your life, it can now become light. I have the ability to touch your life or you to touch my life and it become light. That's awesome. Only God can do that. And we got the wonderful privilege to walk in that. And then what does he say? He says, light awakens the sleepy, the, the sleeping, those who are spiritually dead. It awakens them, our lives, because God's in it, can awaken those that are sleeping. And then finally... Paul, he says that the believer is to walk carefully and strictly. Uh-oh. Being strict? I grew up, I had, I had a home being strict. I couldn't do nothing. I was in one of those homes. Couldn't go to no birthday parties. <laughs> couldn't go to the movies. I survived. I'm still around. Okay, a couple more things and I'm out. He talks about walking carefully and strictly by looking around and watching every step. As we walk, we need to watch our steps, right? We need to be careful. As we walk, we need to, we need to redeem the time. So we need to watch our time. And God gives us opportunities with time, doesn't he? So we got to watch that. And then he says we need to walk carefully and, and strictly, understanding God's will for our life. We need to walk in that. And then finally, he talks about the spirit and be not drunk with wine, but be, to be filled with the spirit. See, there was a lot of drunkenness taking place. And he talks about how drunkenness can keep people out of the kingdom. That it's part of darkness. And that as people walking in light, we shouldn't be getting drunk. It, it's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol as long as you're not doing it in excess. And that's the problem. And there could be some other issues around that, but, but the reality is, is that it's the drunkenness. We need to get drunk in the spirit. 
And what he means about drunk in the spirit, what I mean about drunk in the spirit, is that you need to be filled with the spirit on a regular basis all the time. And that's what Paul's talking about, being filled with the spirit on a regular basis. And when we're filled with the spirit, the spirit come from it. A spirit-filled person has a singing spirit. A spirit-filled person has a submissive and a respectful spirit. And the spirit-filled person is able to be thankful. That's the difference. So we have to decide. We're able to walk like God and be light. Or do we want to identify ourselves with those who walk in darkness like the Gentiles? I think we need to choose walking in light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, through Paul, you are able to give us what we need to live our lives out in God. Father, we ask that you will just be with us, that you will encourage our hearts, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.